So welcome back. Um, we've changed the team a little bit. We've plucked out some more people from the Temporary Fandoms Collective, and we've got a couple more albums to go through. Um, as we've been doing already, we're going to go around the room and also to re-highlight how much of an annoyance this was to organise uh, where people actually are. So we've got Nick again. Hello, Nick. Hello. Uh, we've got Chris. Hi. Hello. And where are you at the moment? I'm in Leeds, so England. So, uh, yeah. And we've got Emily. Hello. Hello. I'm in uh, Washington, D.C. Right. I'm fine. We've got Brendan. Hey everybody, calling you up from Boston, Massachusetts. See, I wish I, that's way better. Can we redo everybody else so it's a bit like that? American. Um, so first of all, we're gonna move on. And in this section, we're gonna cover two albums as, we did, as we've already done in the previous sections. We're gonna start off with Brendan. Brendan, who is your band? Uh, why did you pick them? Um, what do you know about them? What do you like about them? Should they win? Should they be on the Mercury Prize? Let's go through all of these things. Who are they? Great questions. All right, let's start at the top. So the group's called Sports Team, and this is their debut album. It's called something, what's it called? Deep Down Happy. I don't know the names of any of these songs. I don't know the names of any of these albums. But what I do know is that this ticks a lot of the boxes of stuff that I liked back when I was in college. I'm an old man now. I'm middle-aged. And like a lot of middle-aged men, we just like listening to music that we liked when we were younger. And Sports Team is doing that for me uh, in spades. Uh, I hear a lot of pavement. They're funny. Uh, they got a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of Weezer-ish uh, comedy, but maybe not so cloying. I hear a little bit of parquet courts. Uh, it, look, this is well-worn uh, path that a lot of indie bands go down. It, it, it's a group of friends from uh, what school? Cambridge? Cambridge you know the University, yeah. Yeah, Cambridge University. And you know the deal. They're like way too smart to be in a rock band and they decide you know what fuck it let's be in a rock band because you know eventually we're going to go do something else anyway so let's have a blast and get drunk in the meantime they just happen to have a great front man uh his name is alex rice he does a, a wonderful grade z impersonation of uh jagger i see a little bit of um sort of jarvis cocker a little bit of uh damon alburn in there um you know, it's uh, like I said. This is a this is we're not reinventing the wheel here. This if this is if you're into indie, th these guys do it in uh, do it really well. It's a brief record. I'm gonna say it's like about forty ish minutes. I don't think there's a dud track on it. Got loads of hooks. Uh, I can see why this is an easy nomination. I don't really think it's gonna win um, because I just don't think it. It's the sort of thing that it's kind of like the jazz record where I think they won by being nominated. So now their their profile is a little bit bigger. Uh, I think they were probably I, I don't know in the U.S. Their footprint is basically non-existent. It sounds like in England they're like a Radio Six band. So now maybe a few more people. You know maybe the the audience has gone from like say fifteen hundred to uh, fifteen hundred and five. And those five might be some of the members of uh, people who listen to this uh, or, or podcast, or, or probably even probably even their parents. Which yeah, seems well, to be the way I think they might be bands. in the original uh, batch of fifteen hundred because they were probably there from the beginning. They probably saw the first show. We've all we all, I think we all have friends 
who are in a band like sports team and you know we've been to every one of these basement shows and we were cheering him on so i think that's, I think that's it. why i like him they kind of remind me of you know friends that i would have had back in the day so i won't humiliate any of them who are listening and mention their names but just know that i'm thinking of each and every one of you <laughs> i think that's it for me as well um Musically, yeah, it, it harks back to something I would have listened to possibly mid-90s rather than sort of my formative indie years. But there is a lot of, there are a lot of bands it reminds me of. I mean, you mentioned a lot of the American ones. Um, I think there's, it's, it took me about 10 minutes to realise what band I was trying to think of. There was a band called The Young Knives who were around in the late 90s, a very English band. And there's one song, I think it's Fishing, and I just could not remember who this band was. And then I found them, I was like, yes, yes, this. And dragged my wife into a room and go, it's this, it's this, isn't it? She was like, yeah, okay, and rolled her eyes and sort of walked off. Um, I think- Fishing is my that, daughter's favorite song, by the way. It's a great so, track. You know, I, I like the shouting. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, they've got so many anthems. I mean, you could, you could sing every one of these choruses after three lessons, I'd say. Um, <laughs> Probably less than three. <laughs> um, well, I do think know. there's a down. I think there's a downside to him. So a part, I, I know you've said you've mentioned the Jagger and the Damon Albarn as a frontman. I think at times on stage it looks like he's also trying to evoke maybe Ian Curtis, but he does come across a little bit like the lead singer of the Rakes. If anybody in the UK remembers the Rakes, uh, Twenty Two Grand Job, I think, I think was the song. Um, but this is the sort of band that I'm personally glad still exists it's a bunch of people met at college even though granted some people are going oh it's cambridge or oh, posh kids but a lot of a lot of very good bands met at top universities there's throwaway indie they're around for maybe two or three albums and then they disappear and then there's another lot that come through i'm personally quite reassured that this is still going on but i wonder what everyone else thinks here um nick before the break with the other group um your indie choice that you were trying to champion uh was was not well received by everybody um how about this one um, i liked it i mean um it was um kind of you know the preconcessions before i listened to it i thought that they you know looked i don't know like they were, i mean it's a naff name again like porridge radio so uh, no points. Oh, the name is, this is name. like a Hall of Fame, terrible band name. It's a pretty Brilliant. bad band name. <laughs> and I mean, my, I have always joked that like the best indie band name that hasn't been taken is called Paneling. And, uh, and I feel like we are really getting close to the idealized indie band name of Paneling with sports. Paneling. It's that, mm-hmm. that, you know, nondescript yet somehow descriptive, you know? But, I'm uh, sorry, I, never, I stole your... Uh, uh, I mean, I found it a surprisingly enjoyable record. It was really good fun. Um, and I kind of, a little bit didn't want to like it, um, but I kind of had to admit in the end that I did. Provoked a really interesting discussion in the group about class and bands, especially in the UK, because, you know, I think a lot of people, once they knew that they'd kind of all met at Cambridge and they were basically rich kids, that, uh, yeah, suddenly something, oh, can I like these guys? Is it okay to like them? Would they be better if they were like, you know, working class? And um, that provoked an interesting. You know, like, what, but what was pavement? Pavement, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. they're from like a very True well-to-do world. background, all of them. And it's like that stuff's, I think, eternal. I don't know if t- uh, sports team is is the equivalent of you know pavement, but I mean, no, I think not. like Ewan was saying, there's a lot of, you know, 
<laughs> people with money who are able to start a band. That was the thing. That was the point that came up was the fact that the, especially now that possibly the, the only people who can really sustain a band is you have to kind of have some kind of level of independent wealth in order to be able to do this. And that's an incredibly sad thing. It's not necessarily, shouldn't necessarily take away from the bands themselves, but it's a sad thing if people can't get into music. I, I think the days of uh, a group of four people from a working class town in North or middle of England who were able to release an album by, the, by their mama house, uh, tour for a year and then have to go back to university. But they had that thing, that financial year or so where they could just be a band. I think that maybe is disappearing. And might, we might see more bands, particularly in the UK, who are described as middle-class bands, I guess. Um, Chris, you got anything to say on um, sports team? Uh, it's interesting what you say about the pavement thing, because it got me thinking about the class thing in Britain, because Objectively, Radiohead are the poshest band you could possibly imagine. They're all massively privileged. They went to really fancy universities, uh, but they don't seem to get the same grief. And I think it comes down to, in Britain, we have like the elite, which is like, I'm not um, agreeing with this phrase, but like the North London liberal elites, which is a very educated, very kind of like liberal elite, which is your Radiohead, your ever. Whereas sports team, I think, have been interpreted as the British elite, like conservative, you know, Cambridge, all of that. And I think pavement are an, an interesting one because, yeah, that pavement are our radio head. They're really posh, they're really privileged, but they seem to get a pass. And I don't know why, because I could feel myself listening to this album just going, I can't like it because everything about them disagrees with what I believe in. But that just seems really unfair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It just seems not even given I, fair. I, I would like to quick. I would like to quickly counter with. Radio, I think Radiohead may be posh, but Cooler Shaker were one of the poshest bands of all time. Yeah, Cooler Shaker. Um, and I, was I, it Keen? Keen was it? Yeah, yeah. There was some really. The, the, but to the American, to the Americans, we're very obsessed by class in the UK, even though we say we're not. Yeah. But we really, really are. No one likes them either. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was definite divide there about whether it was acceptable to like Keen or not. No, because it was interesting actually, because I was reading online the other day, um, someone I know on Twitter who's really into music, and it, it links to this, they were really into Travis. And I thought it was really interesting because much like coming out saying that you like sports team or coming out saying you like Coldplay, in Britain saying you like Travis would be unheard of. Do you know what I mean? It's a really kind of, and sports team are the same. They've got this problem where it's like, would you accept that you like them? And again, they're just tied up into this. Would you uh, say the sports team? Would you say the sports team are fitting into sort of this decade's razor light? Because I, I heard, I, I put them in that category. They're not quite the libertines. They're no. more in the razor light group. Or am I just going off on what Emily? Um, am, am I losing you here in my pointless uh, indie references? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Emily. I mean, I was just going to say it was it, as a uh, an American who's maybe not super keyed into some of like the um, the UK class references uh, in particular. Like, it was very interesting to me to see the uh, the discussion in the group about that because there are so many um, I think s things that signify something about class in the UK context that I just you know if it were not pointed out to me, I would be completely unaware of it. You know, um, I mean, in terms of the. <laughs> The album itself, I 
I liked it a lot, but I had some, I feel like this is how I feel about several of the, the records of this group. Like they remind me of some other things that I've heard before, but I like those other things. And they're, you know, like they're doing a good job of that in that, that mode. Um, this is something I, that was, this is something that was brought up in the previous session. Uh, the idea that if a band reminds you of a previous band, are you going to just go and listen to that previous band instead? If someone reminds you of Marvin Gaye, it's like, oh, I'll just put on some Marvin Gaye. If someone reminds you, oh, this is like Blur. I liked Blur. I'm going to go and listen to Blur. Um, Chris, do you want to finish off? You're leading forward with something to say. <laughs> yeah, it makes you think about something because Zoe said today in the group, um, she made the point about... Um, It'd be great if you could hear a band without knowing anything about them, right? It'd be great just to go in with totally no preoccupation. And the interesting thing is the first thing I thought about when I listened to sports team was they really reminded me of Art Brute. Like that's the first thing that they really made me think about. The sound, the kind of vocal stuff. And I never questioned Art Brute. I never questioned who he was, where he's from, or anything. Whereas with them, because I came in with so many preoccupations, they actually do a lot of things that I probably would like. I quite like that sound. I quite like that kind of everyday documentary style if you will you know going to Weatherspoons or whatever he was doing in his thing but it was just yeah it did make me think and a lot of the albums actually in this year's Mercury made me think I had to just get over some of my previous kind of way of thinking and just kind of go for it do you know what I mean okay well let's well let's talking about getting over previous ways of thinking and going for stuff there's a lot of pop on this year's Mercury Prize um and at times I've been quite dismissive of pop in the past, which, which seamlessly segues into Dua Lipa, um, which I believe is yours, Chris. Why don't you uh, take us away from the indie and move us into something a bit more poppy? Yeah, that's bad. We'll cut this. We won't cut this. So my album was Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. And uh, I think the idea of nostalgia has taken on much more of a significance in all of this. So it'd be good to come back to that. And um, the reason I actually picked it to do it was, I think I explained this in my intro, was that I basically had no idea what she sang, what she did, but I knew she was famous. Like, she's like monumentally famous. Like, it's like everywhere you turn, she's there. She's kind of um, guesting on other people's songs. And then during lockdown, I've been having weekly catch-ups with a friend on Zoom, you know, whatever. And he just kept talking about this Dua Lipa album. He kept saying how much he liked it. And it was kind of uncharacteristic for him. You know, I wouldn't have thought that was the kind of thing he was into. So I thought I'd just go for it, really. And I kind of thought there's other albums on the list I already liked. And there's other albums I thought might be in my ballpark of stuff. So sports team really would have been in my ballpark or um, Michael Kimanuka, something like that. I just thought I'd try something completely different. And um, I thought as a way of introduction, I mean, everyone knows it's a very big pop album. I found three interesting facts about Dua Lipa today, which I'm going to share with you as some context, maybe to spark some conversations. Oh, 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 I like the, I like interesting facts about. Um... So, um, her, uh, a stu- her sixth single, New Rules, which I've not actually had, um, heard, but was the first single to be a first number one single by a woman since in, that's in 2017 after Adele's in 2015. So the fact there was two years where there was no, um, uh, to be that high in the charts is quite worrying. Um, she performed at the UEFA Champions League final in uh, Kiev in 2018. That was oh, very- that's who she is. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely had no idea who she was. I'm not in the UK, so I don't, 
she's passed me by, but I did watch that game of football. So, sorry. <laughs> and she also performed at the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix, which, and then because of that, she got involved in a project. I'm going to have to read word for word from Wikipedia because it's the strangest thing I've ever heard. It says, in the same month, Leaper endorsed British car brand Jaguar's new electric car, iPace. The band created a remix of Leaper's song, Want To, and launched a service where fans could create their own version of Dua Leaper's song on their Join The Pace website, based on their own driving behavior or the music they listen to and share it on social media. According to her, Jaguar and Leaper set the world record for the most remixed song ever. There you go. There's a, I used to work in marketing. I used to work in marketing, and that's the sort of thing I'm really glad I'm not sitting in a meeting while somebody's explaining that, that yeah. that's what's going on. Um, musically, um, also musically, Chris, what, what did you take out of it? I mean, you, I wasn't aware of her. I, I'm not in the UK anymore, uh, so I'm guessing she's just on programs and things and whatnot. Um, musically, when I heard it for the first time, I thought it's one of the best pop records on this Mercury um, list. I think it's genuinely really good. I was dancing around like a slightly out of shape old fat man in the in the living room while while, while the house is empty. Chris, what did you take out of this? I think it told me that the first time I listened to it, I think it was before as well. I just found it a bit throwaway. Had no time for it. I just thought, you know, this is kind of what I expected. Just some kind of three minute pop songs. And then I kind of took myself out and listened to it while I was moving. That was the big thing. I went for a walk and I listened to it. And I suddenly was like, all right, I'll give this a go. And then, I don't know, by the end of it, I just thought, as it's well documented, it's kind of like 10 amazing songs and then just one total howler. So I think there's a perfect pop album in there if you take out one song. That's my favorite. And the howler is? Um, is it called Good In Bed? Yes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I have to say this now, my main problem with Good In Bed is a totally inappropriate use of the word pipe to describe male genitalia. And it's just totally unacceptable. I will let a lot of things go, but I was just not having that, so. But isn't, but isn't that a thing? I would, uh, there was some, I think it was an American sitcom, someone was misusing a phrase ago about laying some pipe or um, he meant sex and she, but, but he was actually saying having, I think it might have been Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This has turned up in my conscious in the last, in the last year. Um, Brandon, is, is pipe an American term for male genitals? <laughs> Probably. I don't, I don't think it's a particularly American thing. I think it's just a, you're, you're kind of run of the mill double entendre. <laughs> Yeah, probably. It's also, also, let's be honest, youth speak. I mean, I teach teenagers and they still come out with it. Okay. Oh, that's what, oh, that's what people say now. Okay. Um, yeah, musically, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. Um, Emily, what did you take from this? I mean, did you, did you think this was one of the be better pop ones? I mean, you've got a pop album yourself after the break. Um, what do you think about this one? Uh, so I, I I I liked this one a lot more than I thought that I was going to. I, I I'll admit that I mean for me as well, pop is not contemporary pop at least is not necessarily the genre that I listen to the most. Um, but I, it was really remarkably catchy. Like I kind of didn't want to like it, but then I would find these songs like getting stuck in my head um, later on. Um, with that said, 
I think it's just at the point um, in the group where we listened to this album, I had maybe already reached sort of my, my own pop saturation <laughs> for a while. Um, and it's, I don't know, I've re- listened to this album a number of times. I don't know if it's an album for me that gets better the more that I listen to it. Like the things that I liked about it the first time around, I still like. Um, but I don't know that it's, it's kind of charms are deepening for me. Yeah, I don't think there's anything too deep about it. I think it is, it's pure pop. I mean, mm. I mean, there's some other bands that we'll talk about to, tomorrow uh, in a different session um, that maybe are on the more avant-garde side of pop. And this is probably pure pop. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to add before we I get a break, Nick? Interesting, we're doing it back-to-back with uh, the sports team because, in a way, they're both fun albums. You know, they're not serious mm-hmm. albums. They're not, like on the list because they're kind of worthy or clever or experimental. They're just fun, just in different genres. Yeah, no, absolutely, totally. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll let the people listening uh, listen to some of our selections from this, and then we will be back in part two of the podcast, which you can listen to tomorrow or in three days, and we'll be covering the other six albums. All right, so uh, see you after this.